Hey, what's up, friends? Mike Myers here with the Songwriter for Guitar podcast, episode number 18, Jarrett Riddick. Now, Jarrett is known for his work with Bowling for Soup, but he's produced a slew of amazing artists. He's written with so many good songwriters like Butch Walker, the late Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne. And we're going to talk about all of that, the fact that he's the voice for Chuck E. Cheese, how he was a metal drummer. This episode is jam-packed, so we're just going to jump into it. Episode number 18, Jarrett Riddick. I was a drummer, and um, I so I played really? drums okay. first, and I played drums all through school and uh, and, and in bands when I was a kid. <clears throat> but you know, we were always cover bands, and nobody would write songs. And I, I just, I literally could not convince um, my guitar players to to write stuff, and 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 really just kind of not knowing how any of that worked or how to do it. I went and bought a guitar. And just started writing songs. And at first, you know, it was just for fun. Uh, on the side, I was still playing drums in my metal band, but I was um, writing guitar and <clears throat> playing guitar and uh, writing songs for a, you know, kind of like one of my first sort of punk things. And, uh, and you know, that just grew from there. Once I really got the hang of it, uh, it became something I just really liked doing. You know, at first it was just me writing around somebody else's lyrics, my bass player's lyrics, once we got into the band before Bowling for Soup. And then uh, I started writing my own stuff. And then, you know, once we started Bowling for Soup, I was pretty much in the zone and uh, and, and able to do it. Now I got to ask, what was the name of your metal band? What was the cover? What was the uh, name? <laughs> we were called Terminal Seasons. And oh. we, were, uh, we were very, very heavy. And I started out as the drummer for that band. And, and again, it's sort of the way that I ended up being a singer was because we couldn't find a singer. And our bass player was a really good drummer. And we had a ton of friends that could play bass. So I was just like, well, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, you know, it's that that pretty much was that was it. I, that band did really well around town. And so I just found myself being a singer. What was your favorite song to cover? When you were <laughs> um, well, so we did, we, we evolved quite a bit. I mean, we started out as pretty straightforward, like Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth kind of stuff. Uh, Slayer. Okay. Uh, Testament was our favorite band to cover. But, uh, you know, we got really, really heavy. We started doing like obituary and, and just crazy, crazy metal stuff. My favorite song that we did back then, though, actually was a song that Flotsam and Jetsam, uh, a metal band, actually Jason Newstead, uh, from Metall who was in Metallica for a while, was in this band, Flotsam and Jetsam. And they did a cover of Saturday Night's All Right by Elton John. And so we did a cover of that cover, and uh, it was awesome because, you know, I didn't really know how big of a song that was for Elton John. I, I To me, the first time I had heard it was their version of it, which was common back then. You know, you, you, you know, I didn't know that the Beatles did Helter Skelter before Motley Crue did it, you know, like, or, <laughs> or, uh, that white lion didn't write radar love. You know, I, I just didn't know. And, uh, so, but we would play that song and like all of a sudden, like our bass player's parents, you know, would be like, that's awesome. We love that song. You know? <laughs> That's super cool. You guys like Flotsam and Jetsam, you know. But uh, yeah, that that one was really fun to do because it was uh, is is a really really good range for me. That is that's really interesting to me. Then how did you make the switch from metal 
to eventually like punk? What were some bands that you were introduced? Was it kind of like you were in the metal scene and then slowly albums started drifting your way that kind of gravitated you towards it? Man, it it is. The funny thing about me is I can remember the exact day that I got into music when I was in the sixth grade and, wh- and why. Yeah. And I can remember, uh, you know, all of the transitions and how they happened. And this was a big one. Uh, I had met this kid my first day of college who had moved in from uh, Tennessee. And uh, he we were into some of the same music. He liked... You know, we were, that's when Nirvana and Soundgarden were kind of just coming around. Red Hot Chili Peppers were really big. Well, he liked that kind of stuff, but he let me listen to The Descendants and The Ramones and, uh, you know, like late 80s Green Day and a band called Screech and Weasel. And I, I just remember, it, basically, it was The Descendants. When I heard it, I was like, okay, it's like heavy music, but the guy is singing. And they're having fun, like they're, they're, they're singing about fun stuff. Like it's it, because, you know, I was coming out of a metal band where like if even if you wanted to write a song, you had to have a medical dictionary to be able to write lyrics because you had to say words like that, you know. And so I just found like the ease of it and just the fact that they were writing songs about farting in their van or coffee. and <laughs> But then they were fast and the guitars were loud. But. Milo could sing, like really sing. And yeah. so that was really a big one. Like I said, late 80s Green Day, um, I had never heard anything like that, you know, and that was just crazy for me. And then, you know, then the Ramones, you know, and, and obviously being, what, 10, 15 years later, discovering that and just, you know, how four chords, how how musical that could be. It was pretty instantaneous after that. I was just like, man, this is what I want to do. It, it's funny that you mentioned that, hearing how powerful four chords can be. Mm. One of the first episodes I had, I had Frank Turner, and he was ah. talking about making that transition from hardcore yeah. to hearing suddenly like a folk band being like, holy shit, that's four chords. But how amazing four chords can be. You mentioned early Green Day, and I think of like, that's right, like at the library. I think that's one of the early songs. I'm like, that's a really good song. And it's Dude, that is, that's actually one of the songs that really grabbed me was <clears throat> at the library. Cause it's the first song on, um, thousand thirty nine. Yeah. 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 And, um, so yeah, that was kind of one of the first one. And then, you know, I, I just love that. Um, uh, here we go again. Infatuation touches me. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so insane. <clears throat> and, um, see, so, you know, it's funny because I know green day, I know he hates the term pop punk, but you know, I mean, quite frankly, the descendants of the Godfathers, and it's like, you know, Billy Joe, you, you kind of, <laughs> you, you kind of fit it to us, you know. <laughs> it's 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 uh, you, you can't run away from it forever. Now, coming from that metal scene to the, did you feel too, for a songwriting perspective, it was like, oh, I think I could write this. I think yeah. I could start to. You know, that that the formula of what I'm listening to, what I find is catchy, I think I can do this and map this out in a songwriting yeah, and perspective. I, and what's funny is is that I think that that's what people find about Bowling for Soup in the in the playing of the music kind of thing. It's like our stuff is pretty straightforward and simple. You know, I mean, I know like bass lines and drum lines and stuff get pretty complicated. But as far as from a guitar pit perspective, it's pretty simple because it's written around the vocal. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what I 
one of the things that drew me in was like, man, well, I mean, I wasn't a guitar player until I started that band. Actually, the two years before Bowling for Soup, I literally could not play the guitar at all. So even when Bowling for Soup started, I was still like very much, you know, and I'm self-taught, so I'm still learning as I'm going. But I was learning, learning those songs, but really learning writing songs like that. But yeah, that was definitely a big eye opener was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I mean, also this kind of music, I can play this like I couldn't have picked up a guitar and, you know, played a Metallica song like that stuff's hard, you know, and um, but yeah, so and, and so then I think that in turn, that sort of made what what I do as far as writing and, and performing kids often come up and they're just like, dude, I, that's, I learned to play guitar because I learned your entire drunk enough to dance album. And I'm like, that's <laughs> a good one to do because it's pretty much the same four chords over and over again. <laughs> now you mentioned that album. And I think that for me was an introduction to you guys. And I remember listening to the line to all the girl, uh, the bad guys want, I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. I was like, I really, I was like, I think he's tuning drop D right now. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. it's like, I, and it's a it's a really cool line, but also too, as I as I kind of grew up, you worked with Butch Walker on that album. I want to talk about like you know, I'd love to hear how you guys started, but you guys have worked with and you've written with some really cool people like Butch Walker. I love what yeah. What was that experience like? Butch was the first one. Um, we had gotten him to do to produce that record, and we went down there with seventeen songs that I had written in the back of the van uh, during the tour on Let's Do It for Johnny. And um, like literally in the back of the van with a guitar and a distortion pedal and a notepad. So my introduction to writing a song with somebody else, which I'd never really done, was Butch and that idea, Girl the Bad Guys Want. And, you know, it, we had been talking the entire time, you know, when first I went out and met him and got comfortable just being around him for a day or two. And then the band came in and we started doing the record. We had never worked with an outside producer either. And... Okay. So the thing about him is he just makes you feel like you're the only person on the planet. He's just such a sweet human being and such a great guy. It's what you see is what you get with him. And for those that may not know, Butch Walker, he in the 90s, like he did a string of metal bands that he was signed. And then eventually he became uh, in the alternative band Marvelous Three. Yeah. And they had a a hit single that was um, uh, Freak of the Week. um, Freak of the week. That's what it was. And then he went on to then produce a ton of bands and have success. Avril Lavigne. He's worked with so many different bands, but he seems like he's the most versatile kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, we were kind of one of the first big ones too, because it's, it's like before us, he had done stroke nines second record and he had done his first lit record that he did. And, and, you know, a few things like that. SR 71 was his first like big hit, I think. But, you know, this was still, I mean, he's just, you know, in a small, you know, rented space and, and all of this. And, and so our, our album, um, I think, really helped. You know, a, a lot of other bands like us want to go that way because of the way that that record came out. And, and I don't blame them because he's, you know, he's great. But he's, from a producer standpoint, he's very less is more. You know, it'd be the subtle changes that he would make in something and you'd go, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, then you're just like, oh, Jesus, that song just kind of like, <laughs> really just changed in a good way, but he wouldn't come in and just try and change things just for the sake of changing them. You know, he was very, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But yeah, we had been talking about writing a song about the bands that are mad at their dad. And uh, <laughs> because that's what was huge on the radio and, and on uh, MTV then was 
you know, the stained and the limp biscuits and stuff like that, where it's just like a bunch of people with that are pissed off at their parents. And, you know, <clears throat> we kind of found the humor in that. And, and, and again, nothing against those bands, by the way, I, I think Aaron Lewis is an amazing songwriter. Um, and he has since forgiven me for the video. So we, we're good. <laughs> but you know, that, that, again, that was just what was popular. It seemed an easy target. And, uh, mm-hmm. so he actually came up with the girl, the bad guys want concept based upon that. And, uh, then, um, and he wrote that riff. And so I came in the studio and he was like, here's what I'm thinking we could write. And I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah, let's do it. And again, I'm sort of in uncharted waters cause I had never really written a song with somebody. So I didn't really know how it would work, but we sat there and we sort of pounded out a few things and then we did and then he just had the band come in we recorded the music and we wrote most of the lyrics while i was in the booth we were literally just like okay you know we'll just write this as we go which has kind of become a practice for me actually now i mean i'll pretty much write a verse and a chorus and then the bridge idea now and we'll go in and record the song with me just singing the same thing over and over or going blah 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 you know, and then I'll just be in the booth and go, give me 10 minutes and I'll write this, you know, this verse or whatever. So I'm, I'm not sure if that, you know, if that happened because of, you know, that or what, but um, sometimes maybe it just might be me ready to move on to something else. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, that, that definitely led for me with what, because I learned something from that. Then I, I started writing with other people, Zach Malloy and um, Adam Schlesinger, rest in peace. And, and a few people here and there. And I just basically then what I just, I, I went crazy on hangover. You don't deserve. I was just like, I want to write with everybody because this is awesome. And because again, even now when I'm writing with somebody else who, who is coming to write with me, you always take something away from it. You know, there's always just something little that you get and it, it's, it's a little gift, you know? And, um, it's, uh, it's nice to have that, have somebody to bounce something off of every once in a while. So Co-writing is like one of the best things because it is you, even if it's a little thing, it's like, shit, I'm going to do that for the next 20 songs. Yeah. Um, what they just did. I was like, I, that's amazing. So compared to how you started songwriting, just, you know, writing all the songs on your own. Did you feel like when you first approached co-writing, it felt like almost like a steroid boost that you were like, shit, now I've got yeah. to do this like all the time. For sure. That is exactly what happened. I was just like, man, line them up. I just started like <laughs> picking people and uh, people would suggest people. And, you know, I, I was just like, whatever, whoever, whatever, you know, I've, I've calmed down, <clears throat> um, you know, obviously over the last few years, I pretty much write everything or I write it with Linus of Hollywood, who is my best friend and who has produced all of the Bowling for Soup stuff in the last 10 years. Or my friend, Zach Malloy, who is still killing it. I mean, you know, he started in a band called the Nixons and now he's got two number one rock songs with shine down and uh, a Seeger song and all kinds of stuff. So he's doing great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's just it. You just get that fever. Plus it's just the camaraderie too, man. It's just like you go hang out with a dude for a day. It's a blast. You know, you go <laughs> and you, you don't know this guy and you walk in and you write a song and then you go to lunch and you learn a little bit about one another and you go back and you write a better song. And, um, you know, yeah, so it's definitely, uh, I def- you're, a steroid is a very good analogy for that. It definitely, I just wanted more of it. So it's just like a drug. Now, how did co-writing, you know, some of the materials that you use in co-writing probably, in, you know, 
let's say like 2002, has probably changed dramatically where it's like, I remember it was writing things down. And now I think I'm like doing everything on Google Docs and just like apps, where <laughs> yeah. incremental shifts where it's, you know, different tools that you were using within these co-writes or your co-writes, yeah. co-writer turns you on to other things. Yeah, I can tell you two in uh, in Secession, actually, where um, mm-hmm. me and Butch used to write. I used to just carry a mini disc player with me, um, and like I said, I mean, when I wrote "Let's Do It for Johnny," I, you know, that was all on notebooks, no recorder, you know, whatever. And you, I just have to write down the chords and try to remember it. And yeah. that was like that until you know, um, Hangover, Hangover. I I carried around a mini disc player, but I went to to Butch. Butch to write, we were writing uh, trucker hat and uh, he goes, have you heard of this thing called garage band? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he pulls that up. And so that was kind of like the, Hmm, okay. Maybe this is a thing we could run on a computer. But my favorite story is I was with Adam Schlesinger who was from, who was in the band fountains of Wayne. He, he was one of the, uh, he passed away from COVID back in March, I believe maybe April. Phenomenal songwriter. So many, one of the best songwriters, <laughs> probably probably i i mean i think in songwriter circles like he's the guy you know like when we yeah. talk about things you're just like oh fucking adam wrote that you know oh so your yeah. listener you know, he wrote that thing you do which is like like one of the most perfect songs ever written and like that that's the whole movie as far as i'm concerned um, mm-hmm. but then he went on to write like Stephen Colbert's Christmas episode and win all kinds of awards. And he just amazing. He was such an amazing person. And it, it's infuriating that, that people think that the disease is fake at this point. I don't want to sabotage your show, but that it's, it, you know, when, no. you lose, when you lose a friend like that, you're like, okay, well this shit is real. Anyway, he, we and him are writing, um, a song and we had decided to write, um, high school never ends. Based upon that I had had this High School Never Ends idea for years written in my notebook. Like years I had had it. And he wanted to write a song about the tabloids because the tabloids were just right then. It was really just Brad and Jennifer and, you know, all this stuff was huge right then. And so we combined the two ideas. And so I got my notepad out and he goes, what are you doing? And I go, thing?" and he's like up there with his computer and he goes, no, this is the last today you're going to write your first song on your laptop and you're never going to pick up that notebook again. And he was right. He was right. I mean, I, I just, from that day on, I just, um, you know, it's, it's so nice because he, he converted me and it, it did, it changes the way that you write because you can see everything right in front of you and you can erase things and move things around and, and all that. So I'm, I'm, because I, I love that method. I'm geeking out about this. Do you, did he do like the boneyard? Like when you don't use the line, you, you know, move it all the way down and just like, you know, that's that's, where it's like, that's where it lays is your ideas. I still do that. And, and what's funny about that is, and you, so if you do that, you probably know when you finish the song and like you go back later to print it out, to go in the studio and sing it or, or if you email it to somebody or whatever, those lines are still down there <laughs> and you'll just be like, Oh, okay, well this is what I was thinking about. Dude. Oh, this is a funny line or whatever. And, yeah. um, but yeah, you, you, I, that's, that's definitely the key, right? I, I still do that to this day. If I, if I don't use something, I move it down and, it, and, and that serves, I like the, I love the term, the boneyard, by the way, that's great, but it serves as less of a, you know, of a, of a palette to go back to for the line, but more of just like re sparking what you were thinking 
you know, yeah. early on or whenever that part was during the songs, you go back and read those and you're like, okay, this sort of reels you back in sometimes. We've been talking about the songwriting process yeah. at this point too, in all these years, how did you feel your guitar playing was starting? Because starting to change essentially because as you're writing and you're playing and you're recording, you've got click tracks, you've yeah. got garage band, you've got these ideas. How did you notice that started to transform? And especially working with someone like Butch and moving on other producers, how did that transform? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I definitely got good, uh, but I'm good at what I do. I'm not a good guitar player. I'm a, I'm, I'm good at playing Bowling for Soup songs on guitar. You know, I mean like, <laughs> and, and, you know, I give myself a hard time. I mean, I could sit down and, and pretty much, you know, listen to a song and play it for you right back or whatever on acoustic and, and that kind of thing. But I never learned how to play guitar solos. I don't, I don't know theory. I, I'm not educated. So I don't know scales or anything. Everything that I do is by ear. I know all the notes, but you know, I, I can't read music um, and play. I mean, I know what the notes are on the on the page, but I can't sit there and, and sight read. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I definitely noticed myself getting really good. Also, being able to anticipate things. The other thing that you know, like, I, it used to drive me crazy because our bass player forever and ever, like since day one, has always been one of those guys that can play along to a song that he's never heard before because he just anticipates that next note. And it used to drive me up the wall that I that he just had that ability. And I have that now. So that's one of those things. That just kind of, but here's the thing. I don't practice. You know, like I never really sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to learn to play the guitar. I, like I said, I write songs on it and I play in my band. And that's it. I, I have never been one that just sits in my room with my guitar and just play guitar. I've never done that before in my life. And, um, so again, you know, that, that's my practice is playing in the band or recording, as you say, to a click track and all of that. But yeah, definitely noticed, you know, there, there's definitely a big difference between me trying to record 20 years ago and, and me trying to record now. Now you say, think, <laughs> go back to this <laughs> here. You have to leave your ego at the door sometimes. And when you're sitting across from somebody like Butch Walker, and you're stuck on something or whatever, and it's just part, you're just kind of not getting it right. You know, it's pretty, it, it's very common <laughs> to just hand the guitar to him and go, can you just do this real quick? You know? And uh, <laughs> so the same is true with Linus, because Linus can play anything. I mean, he was Paul Gilbert's bass player, for Christ's sake. He's, a, you know, he's a, a virtuoso. And so, you know, sometimes I find myself just go, just throw that down. You know, like it, it I don't <laughs> care. It doesn't matter to me. So, but yeah, the, um, the, the skills kind of just come, come with the repetition. They come with the repetition and the implementation because yeah. it's one thing to sit down and say, I'm going to practice guitar, but what you were doing was actively adding into your songwriting, yeah. recording, yeah. going in, doing it again and again and again. Mm. And it was a very laser focused, as you said, like you're great at guitar for Bowling for Soup. And songwriting. Yeah. yeah. Good. That's what you need to fucking do. Don't, yeah. you know, worry yeah. about like playing Led Zeppelin, unless you're going to go into Guitar Center and sit down and test out guitars. Right. That's really the only time that you need Stairway to Heaven. Right. Which that's I've the never, thing. I'm never going to do that ever as long as I live. So it's, you know, it's, I, uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, and I think that goes into everything. It's like, um, you know, when I, I let's go back to those days of, of like even doing demos and stuff. Like I got this little, this little recorder things. I can't remember what it was, but it was sort of like one of those all in one 
stations, you know, that, that they used to sell yeah. back in the day. And, you know, I'd mess with that thing and it was more complicated to just try to get anything done on it. And my, and Zach was like, dude, you just need to buckle down and open up your pro tools. And I'm like, man, I'm scared of that. That's <clears throat> the best favor he ever did me. It was just like, I, he goes, just open it up. You press record, you erase with this. You don't need to know anything else. And he's right. I mean, I record bands now and I, I've never really learned how to do pro tools. I know how to do what I know how to do, you know? And as far as gear is concerned in my studio, like I don't have a lot of gear. I have the gear that allows me to do what I want to do. And it go then it goes back into my playing and the theory. And I'll tell my friends all the time, because most of my friends are like Linus and my friend, Scott Simons, who's the, um, who's the music director on AE, AE, um, America's got talent, AGT. And, um, he's a, a savant, you know I mean? Like he just, it's great. I mean, he, he, he is like a piano guy, so he can just sit there and play any song that you name. And I'm just like, God, I wish I knew theory. He's like, you do, you know, theory, you just don't really know that you're implementing it, but you implement it all the time. And he's not wrong. Like I, I, I say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just do because I know what I do. If that makes sense. It does. You're, you, you've been using it all this time. M yeah. Maybe sometimes it's like, well, what's the proper language or the word? Yeah, you can learn that, but you're fucking doing it already. And you yeah. can advise other people when you're working with a band to be like, uh, you've got to go this, you've got to, you well, why? Because it's right for the song. Yeah. Because exactly. that's what's going to feel really good. And th this brings me to my next point. Or I'm just curious, as you've been writing for yourself, but how was it as you wrote for other bands and you know, theme songs like Phineas yeah. and Ferb. Like, how did you get into that world? Was that kind of a natural progression through people that you met? Yeah, it was a natural progression of people who liked what I did and either wanted me to put that, uh, you know, that songwriting, that whole thing into whatever project they were working on. Or, you know, with the Phineas and Ferb thing, the creators of that show were just huge Bowling for Soup fans. And they came to me about that. Um, Jimmy Neutron... Uh, I got that really because um, Jive Records had just bought Nickelodeon Records, and I think they kind of muscled me in on that deal. But <laughs> regardless, you know, it's still a fun thing to do. Uh, you know, and then writing with other bands, you just get asked to do it because they're fans of Bowling for Soup. And, um, you know, I, I take it really seriously. I really do. Like, I, I, I don't try to force anything on anybody. I try to make sure I only write with writers who are actual writers like one of my projects recently has been a band called not your girlfriends and i started working with them when they were 12 and she had never written a song at all she's 16 now and she writes all of her own stuff i mean i, I don't really even write anymore i just produce and there's a difference you know but yeah there's i i think you know a lot of there there are artists out there who go to do a co-write and just basically expect you to write them a song and uh, i i don't really like that because it's just it just seems very impersonal personal it's very and, weird when yeah. it's just like you're writing and they're not do they're just kind of like and you ask them hey what what do you think yeah yeah okay. exactly oh, it's yeah, like great true. um yeah all right well i'm glad i could finish a song in front of you yeah uh, me and linus go. have this uh <laughs> me and linus have this these characters that we play we, we'll do sometimes whatever where we're if we're writing you know that but it's essentially when you are writing with those people they're just back there on their phone the whole time and you're just up there writing them a song and you're like what do you think yeah you know whatever but 
Um, yeah, it's it's just silly. It really is. T- to me, I would rather them just go send me a song, you know. Then <laughs> and and you know what? I'll give you your twenty percent if you cut it or whatever. But like, I, I'd rather just not have you in the room so I can cuss more, you know. And uh, <laughs> you know, and it's just not fun. It's, it's the pro- It's very. It's it's like you know pulling teeth and. It's not enjoyable, but when you have those moments where you co-write with someone, you're like, this is great. Now I found a co-writer that I enjoy yeah. and how you've been writing for shows. When I found that realm of television, I was like, I really enjoy this. This is a completely different type of writing, but it's like, it's strengthening up my songwriting muscle and my production muscle. This is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I, I really liked all of the Phineas and Ferb stuff that, that I was able to write. Because again, they're just not a lot of rules, um, mm-hmm. but just there's just guidelines, and you follow these guidelines to get to where it is they're wanting you to get, and uh, you know it, it works out. But yeah, I mean, I kind of got burned out on the writing for film and TV because I just got in this rut of writing for pilots, and you know from your experience, you know, when you write for a pilot, then you essentially do all this work. And then that show doesn't get picked up and you just did all that for nothing. And like you just, you know, and you don't even own it. And it's, you know, that that got a little frustrating for me. So I kind of just bowed out and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to stick to the things that I already do. And, you know, that's been Bowling for Soup and then my band with Kelly um, and, uh, you know, the managing of, and, of, of the girls and Dolly uh, and the, and Jorinus, my other band and, you know, those things like that. And, and I, I've been a much happier person. I, I just, I can't, I don't really like, um, well, we did get the theme. Me and Kelly did get the theme to uh, the spinoff of the Goldbergs that ran for two seasons called Schooled. And, and we worked hard on that to get it. But yeah, quite frankly, the, the disappointment sometimes it, it starts to get to you after a while. Or yeah, or when I found myself competing in there, like, hey, just so you know, um, just so you know that other people are, com- you know, competing for this right, so you may not get it, and it's like, yeah, cool, and it's like, and then you put, and they're like, that sounds great, we're not picking you, and it's yeah, like, oh, cool. and they, and right. they'll tell you who it is too, like they'll go, oh, and such as, so that's that's my experience in voice acting because my my voice is really high, and I, yeah. um, you know, especially if I'm like acting. So, you know, I'm the voice of Chuck E. Cheese, which is my other day job. But I Which is awesome. That yeah. is a pretty awesome fucking day job. It's the best, but like I would be re- I would be reading for commercials and or things like that and they're just be like, "Yeah, it's down to you and Charlie Day." And I'd be like, "Ah, oh, well, fuck." <laughs> like you have no idea how many times I heard that. I'm just like, "There's other high voices out there, you know? Like what the hell?" Um, but Charlie Day I've never even met him, but he's kicked the shit out of me more times than I could ever explain. But that's the same thing with the theme songs, though. You, you'll just, you know, you would find, you would hear like, okay, yeah, Lisa Loeb submitted and Schlesinger submitted and, you know, all of these, all of these ringers. And you're just like, okay, well, yeah, thanks for the heads up. I mean, it's nice if you can get in there and compete and you make it down to the final five, but yeah. still, you know, you did all that work. And if they don't pick you, it's just like, Ah, and if you get a pilot, you've not only written the theme, but you've written songs for the thing and all of this stuff. And, you know, and, and if that show gets picked up, you're stoked because you're the music guy. But if it doesn't, you just put, you know, three, four weeks of work in and, you know, it's kind of gone, but I don't mean that weird thing. I'm just saying I, I choose at my age and where I am in my career, I choose to do those things to where I can sort of control 
the, my own destiny. Like I can sort of, I'm going to create this song and I, here's how I'm going to put it out, you know? And, um, same is true with voice acting. I, I, I got out of the game. I'm, I don't do it anymore. I, I, I do Chuck E. Cheese and that's it. You know, if I, if, if something were to ever happen to that job, maybe I would jump back in, but I'm happy just doing that. I mean, that's a pretty good gig to land and it's awesome. <laughs> it's more important. What you're saying too, is if you don't enjoy it, then why are you doing it? 100%. You know, don't do it because sometimes I'll hear, you know, stories from songwriters or, you know, clients that are like, I just don't enjoy this. And it's like, okay, yeah. then don't yeah. do it. The misery in the music business is mind bending to me. It, it really is. Like how many people are miserable doing something that they worked their entire life to do? It's like, you know, there's decisions that you could make to, you know, to, to not be miserable. You know, if you don't yeah. like that guy, don't work with that guy, you know, like it's, and you know, it comes from playing a band too. I mean, you know, I've been in a band, the same band for 26 years and we're, we all are always together. We don't even like to ride in separate cars. Like they'll send two vans to the airport to pick mm -hmm. us up and we'll put all the equipment in one and we all get in the other, you know, that, I mean, that's just how we are. And then we tour with bands that can't even have the same dressing room. You know, like that they're like they're they, they're they're two on two or they hate one guy or whatever. It's like, God, that seems like a miserable place because you're locked in a bus together all day, every day. And if you don't like each other, man, that sounds terrible. So many lessons from this conversation. I think people are going to get number one. Do the thing. So if you're curious and you're like, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have this. Just start doing it, implementing it, start you doing it and you will learn. And your journey has been, you met people along the way. They kind of like, oh, this opened mm -hmm. my eyes a little bit. I'm going to try this. And you just started implementing it more and more. Yeah. And you're doing the things that you love. So I, this has been wonderful because I think people are going to, oh, I don't have to do the thing I don't like. No, I can start it. adding it in and implement it. It's like, and, yes. And get out there. And like you said, do the thing. I mean, you mentioned Frank Turner, who is a good friend of mine as well. And Dude, his song, Try This at Home. I mean, that he wrote a book about it. Like, you yeah. can do this. Like, if, if any, I mean, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. I mean, you know, it's a matter of, like, look, 99.99999% of people aren't going to be successful as, like, a career songwriter or a career musician. But 99.99999% of people will enjoy it if they do it for the reason to just create or play songs or, or do it because that's what they like to do. Yes, a thousand times to that. <laughs> Jarrett, thanks so much for hanging out with me. This was awesome, and I enjoyed this conversation. Man, thank you. Have me back anytime, man, and I promise I, it won't take you four <laughs> tries to get me on the computer. Can you believe it? We are episode 18 in. And there's so many good episodes coming up in 2021. So many amazing guests. But I want to thank you for listening so far. Thank you for listening. Whether you started at the beginning or you found us just today, thank you. The fact that you're listening, I, I truly appreciate it. And remember, if you love an episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review and then take your favorite episode and share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best thing that you can do for this podcast. So again, I hope you guys have a safe start to the new year. And get ready, because we're going to have some kick-ass guests in 2021. That does it for this week's episode. It was edited and produced by Chris Fafalius. I'm Mike Myers. Until next time. <laughs>